Hello everyone, it's Purse, and thank you so much for listening to all of those of you in Discovery, Recovery, Just Learning, or anything in between. And today's going to be a kind of double episode because I'm going to tell you the story about my time in Emerge at a mental hospital and also um, my, or just generally what to expect from therapy because my What to Expect from Therapy podcast is a little bit of a misnomer, I believe. I listened to it back and it it sounds more so like, how do you acquire slash afford therapy and not necessarily what to expect when you're going. But first, I'm going to talk about my experience in the emergency like room and hold facility of um, the like mental health hospital. Um, I don't really, I don't like saying mental health hospital because it sounds like, you know, like mental asylum and that's not what I mean, but like it was, it's, it's like literally like an, a center, like a, a institution research, whatever, where they, they have doctors and they help people with like mental issues, literally and addictions. So that's where I went. And uh disclaimer, I wasn't forced to go. I went of my own volition. Um, also, I wasn't necessarily in crisis when I went. Um, I didn't stay an inpatient. I didn't stay overnight. I was there for a couple of hours. Um, however, I did go through the whole intake process. So um, while I can't speak to like staying overnight or like, you know, getting your clothes taken away and the food and the other people that I saw, because I didn't see any other people aside from um, the workers. Um, So I can't speak to that kind of experience. I can tell you guys about the whole intake process and how, you know, you get treated or at least how I was treated um, as someone who walked in and was not necessarily in crisis, but um, I I went anywhere anyway because I I had a reason to be there. Uh, So let's start. Well, the place that I went to, and I don't really want to say it because I'm not sure if it reveals my location, but it's it's somewhere that people go when they have any sort of like mental health needs, you know, um, and basically, um, I walked over, it's within walking distance of where I am, and, um, well, first of all, it is a huge building, which I shouldn't, I don't know if I should note because, you know, all facilities are different, and again, um, I'm not going to name the facility that I went to right now at this moment. And I I would like to note that, you know, every facility runs itself differently. And I would even go as far as to say, like, different physical locations, even under the same, like, branding or the same umbrella or the same hospital, whatever, you know, uh, the same, oh, what is it called? Not branding, like, business thing, you know, like, sick kids or whatever. There's a bunch of them all over North America, I think. Um... And yet, you know, they might, all their hospitals look different inside. They might run slightly differently, even though they're hospitals. So always do research for the specific place that you're going and read ahead. um, Because depending on where you're going and what you're going for, you might get different things taken away and have different, you know, um, different restrictions. And I went to my place and it was really large and really confusing and now I know how to get there and I won't be confused, but at in the first place, I was really turned around, which is unfortunate because if I was going through any sort of like weird episode and I didn't want to talk to any, I had to talk to a lot of people and ask a lot of people where to go. Um, so that was something that I noticed. Um, and partially part of it was me, part of it was the poor directions I was given, and part of it was Google Maps. So all of it was wrong. Anyway, um, 
I get in there and I finally find the intake desk and at first I go to like there's there's like multiple reception periods so first I go to just like the general reception in the wide area kind of like if you went to like emergency and you you had to go talk to I guess I believe it's a nurse who runs emergency or maybe I don't know like a resident or something but anyway go up to emergency and you tell them your issue and if it's not something like you're dying right now they tell you to like sit down and it's an open waiting area with the sliding doors and you can walk in and out like um or if you go to like your your family like walk-in clinic or family doctor it's kind of like that so I walked up to the woman and I went really early they're a 24-hour it was a 24-hour emergency room, so there's people there all the time. I went in the morning. I think I left at, like, 9 a.m. I was supposed to wake up at 8 and go at 8, and I didn't end up doing that. So I went at 9 a.m., and it was it was completely empty um, the whole time that I was there until the very, very end. Like, one guy came in right when I was getting my stuff back to leave. So even though there was, like, no one there aside from the people I didn't see who might have been held, like, in any sort of rooms for overnight care or whatever an emergency like no one was walking in it was not like I walked in and there's like five people in front of me but I still waited for like hours I had like an appointment I got in at I think 9 a.m and I had either 9 or like 8 30 I maybe like 8 45 ish but I got in and I had like a thing to do at like 12 45 or whatever and I was seriously thinking like I might not make this that's how much waiting I was doing um for what I kind of considered no reason, but you know, they have to do their own thing. So basically I went up to the whole, the receptionist in that open area and she, um, well, first of all, I couldn't even find a receptionist. She was in the back. Thankfully, this nice lady who was like a doctor and she worked there, um, she was like, are you waiting for something? And I was like, yeah, I need reception, but there's no one here. And she like knocked on the glass and she's like, what are you doing? Like this person here. Anyway, so I had to fill out cause it was my first time there. I had to fill out a whole form with, like, my name and my age. Well, they had my name because um, I'm in Ontario and we have health cards and a lot of our information's on there. But I, need, I needed to put, like, emergency contacts and where I lived and my phone number and all that stuff. Uh, so I filled it out and I passed it back to her. And she gave me this, like, cool little, like, hospital bracelet that you can't really rip off. You need to cut it off. And it has, like, a little, like, QWERTY code in it, like a little chip um and I thought you know that's cool but also I'm stuck here um so I filled out one of those like regular patient forms and it was it asked you like why are you here and you had to like check off some boxes or whatnot um and then I went and I sat down um in the open area and this man came up to get me and it actually didn't take that long because I brought food with me to eat and I it was literally like I sat down got ready to eat the food and then they were like come fill out this form and it's like okay and then I sat down and got ready to eat the food because I thought it was going to be like a doctor's office where you sat in the open area and then someone come, came and got you and the dude literally came out of nowhere and he was like all right I'll take you in and I was like wow this is faster than I thought I lied to myself it was going to take a long long time um so he takes me into um the first door leading into without being I can't draw you the room because this is over audio and even when I post this on YouTube I'm not gonna I'm not recording this so I can't draw you the room but basically they took me out of like the open area where pretty much you can leave and behind one of the first doors that require a key pass to enter um and then they took me to the left and it was like a small like intake 
room, I suppose, and it was the dude and then this one woman. And the woman was, um, was, like, typing all my information and the dude was the one, like, physically checking me over. So, first, I brought my whole backpack because, again, I wasn't sure how long I was going to stay there. So, I brought, like, work that I could do while I was there. I didn't bring my computer or anything, but I have some paper readings to do. So, I brought, you know, a couple of, um, not book books, but a couple of, uh, workbooks that we had to just read some, like, case stuff, um, uh, what is it? Case studies and some like excerpts from books and highlight things. And I brought my notebook if I needed to write anything and my um, bullet journal because that has my therapy points in it and um, my water and my bag is just always filled with like extra crap that I carry around. And then I had my headphones and I had my two lanyards because one lanyard has my keys and everything I need for my house. Um, and then my other lanyard has my... Um, key fob and my key for my dorm um yeah so that's that's what I had and I wore shoes with um a zip which was really nice and the reason why I say that is because so the dude took my um backpack and he asked me you know if I wanted to keep my phone so I got to keep my phone um, and he asked me if I wanted to keep my wallet and I decided to keep my wallet as well and um, I kept my like I had I brought a little fruit salad so I kept that as well on me with my little fork um, and I couldn't keep my headphones and I assume it's because it's like they, they weren't Bluetooth headphones they're like the Apple ear pods that come with your phone and they're long enough that they have a cord that you can do damage with so um it wasn't and I learned that you know even if you are not expressly at risk they take away anything that has like a cord that you could hurt yourself with because other people in the ward especially because it's um emergency could be at risk and could like steal it off you or if you just drop it and no one notices it and it's like left on the floor or whatever someone can pick it up so no one can have those kinds of items whether you are checking yourself in and you're moderately fine which is what I was or someone's like dragging you and kicking and screaming and you're grabbing at anything you know like everyone's treated the same and I forgot to mention why did I go to emerge in the first place it was because um I have an issue with feeling like a fraud all of the time just generally in my life sometimes I feel like I don't deserve to be in my program um and sometimes I feel like I I have this like over like I was gonna say overlying instead of like underlying but I have this just really intense moral question of like do I actually <clears throat> most specifically with BPD um aside from like the depression because that was depression and I you know I, I know what that was even though sometimes I, I doubt myself and the anxiety is there the anxiety definitely I know what that is because I've been living with it for years but like the D BPD mostly which is, stands for borderline personality disorder, and somewhat the depression, I just have, like, this moral question sitting on my brain all the time, which is, like, do I actually have these disorders, or am I just a bad person who inherently does bad things and who doesn't deserve good things in my life, and I'm just a product of a bad environment? Or, and that's the, that's the thing, I always ask myself, like, was I, did I, is what I experienced just in life, like, as bad as I'm now being told it 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 was by my like 
therapy support teams or am I just like am I just overreacting like am I how am I how am I supposed to put this am I just like overreacting to something that other people feel you know and was my life even that bad like is my life just generally fine and I'm just ungrateful and am I just this like terrible person who does terrible things because you know I'll just never connect with other people or do I actually have these illnesses that like mess with my judgment and impair my impulsivity and like I go flying off the handles for these reasons you know I I just sometimes I look at myself and I'm like oh my gosh like you just are a terrible person and there's no other explanation anyway and I wasn't secure in I guess some of the meetings that I had with my ooh hear that notification sound some of the meetings that I had with um with uh another person my first like on my support team mostly because I she was telling me one thing um and I was internalizing it differently because of my whole fraud filter I call I have what I call the depression filter in which everything sucks and I'm super boring and life is terrible and I have my fraud filter where people will congratulate me and I'll be like no but I've tricked you all even though it was work that I produced myself and it was my own ideas and whatnot so um, my fraud filter made me feel as though everything that my first psychiatrist told me was like I didn't process it wrong and I thought it was very much very like up in the air, very tentative. And I was like, well, I need a concrete answer. So I went for a diagnosis. That was two minutes of rambling of me telling you guys I went for a diagnosis. And um, where was I? Where was I? So anyway, took my bag into a secure room, which I didn't get to see until actually way after because I realized I had multiple, multiple things in my bag that I would need that I didn't think I should take out including my journal um and then my actual work I didn't take out with me so what was it um he took my bag um he wanded me with a security wand um to make sure I guess I had no like sharp objects or metal and he kept asking me like do you have any sharp objects do you have any um thing like long twisty things and like rope or whatever and I was like oh I have my headphones he was like can't take those and I was like oh I have my lanyard and he's like can I see it and I showed it to him he's like can I take those and why can I take those I mean like can you put those in your bag he didn't like take it and put it in like a bin with everyone else's headphones or anything else um and they put a nice little um tag on my bag although my bag has my name on it anyway because I used it to travel for sport um but they put another tag on my bag with my name on it um and they put it into a separate room and oh that's what I was saying it it was nice that I wore shoes that um I don't even think I wore shoes that zip up I think I just wore shoes that you pull on because if had I worn like my running shoes with shoelaces I am not sure whether they would have forced me to like unlace my shoes which would have been really inconvenient because they probably wouldn't have um they probably wouldn't have what was I going to say, helped me with lacing them back up, and I don't know how to relace shoes, so there you go, that's something to think about, think about the cords that you're bringing, and even if you want to bring like Bluetooth wireless headphones, even check if they allow those, because they might not allow any electronic electronics at all, anyway, so after I was like fully, I wasn't patted down, but after I was wanded, and I was checked to make sure I didn't have any contraband, and you know, my bag was checked in, um, 
the lady at the computer, she took my blood pressure with a little like thumb thingy, or no, she took my heart rate with a little thumb thingy, and then my blood pressure with the thing that you wrap around the arm and you pump the little balloon and the timer thing, whatnot, you know. Anyone who's in med- medical school or studying medicine is like, duh, blood pressure thingy, whatever. Um, and she sat at the computer and I guess she pulled up my like, my health care records because I'm, I'm under provincial health care and I'm sure it's all there. And she asked me a bunch of questions like, why am I, why was I there? And um, she asked me some questions about like uh, prevalence of suicidal thoughts and um, like, I think stuff, not necessarily eating habits, but just depressive thoughts, suicidal thoughts, why I was there, my previous mental health history and like who I talked to and whatnot. Um, uh, like a really basic screening. And then the guy came back and he explained to me that first I would see a social worker and then based on the social worker's assessment, I would see a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist may or may not want to see me multiple times, you know, whatever, but whatever. So I went to another... Um, waiting room which looked like the first waiting room um and it looked like a regular this now we're talking like hospital kind of waiting room like an actual hospital in a city or whatnot but every single door in this room was locked by like key card so you couldn't get in without a key card but you also couldn't get out without a key card which i learned because i needed to use the bathroom um sometime in i was waiting about like two hours an hour 45 minutes two hours um and I needed to ask someone to let me out to use the washroom. Then I needed to hit um, a doorbell so that someone could come back out and let me in to the room. So what happened was I went into the little, little rate waiting room and literally within like 15 minutes, like 10, 15 minutes, a woman comes out and she's the social worker and she pulls me into like, I guess, an intake room or whatever and we sit down. And I've gotten really good at doing this because I've gone from like multiple mental health professionals at this point just explaining my story like just my whole story so um I talked about um my disordered eating which I said that hesitantly because I'm not sure when I'm going to post this and this won't really make sense um unless I post my disordered eating audio first because I'm pre-recording it that's this has nothing to do with you guys anyway um I talked to her about some of my disordered eating habits and my um like major depressive symptoms and my anxiety symptoms and the BPD stuff and all this all these different things and um she just sat there and she listened and I told her about my family history like really quickly and by really quickly I mean I think we were together for like 20 minutes half hour something like that um so my whole family history which I've learned to condense and my mental health history which I've learned to condense and I've learned to you know chalk up my whole breakdown slash breakup in like a whole couple sentences or whatnot and then my recent mental health journey with my new site at my new school and all this all the new stuff um and she sat there and she listened and it was great um and she told me she she jotted down some stuff and then she was telling me about how um you know for some of the things that I was looking for I might be asked to come back and I might not get like a diagnosis like right there literally what I wanted because I was already in mental health care you know, I, I had, I had my two psychotherapists, I had my psych, psychiatrist, um, it was just a miscommunication that, that made me go into, or compelled me to go into the ER, um, when I did, but really all I wanted was to walk in, be seen by a professional, get a concrete diagnosis, and walk out, um, because I felt like I didn't have one, 
However, caveat, I do have run have one and I did have one previous to when I went to the ER. It was just again my fraud filter was on and I completely misinterpreted everything that I was told in my meetings with my my primary psychiatrist. So I was like, I need to go see someone else get an answer. Um when I really didn't because I had an answer. So anyway. I saw that one woman and she basically told me like, yep, yep, this, this all makes sense. And you know, whatever, we can go to the next stage. You'll have to wait. Not sure how long the wait's going to be. Um, and you might not be in one and done because for the things that you are dealing with, um, or you think you're dealing with or whatnot, um, you're like the psychiatrists here might want to see multiple times. And I was like, okay, that's great. And she said something else. And I remembered it and I just forgot it. Um, And in between, before we saw each other, I asked to get my notebook because I left in my bag my bullet journal that has my stuff in it, Um, which I shouldn't be talking about so openly because I feel like I'm going to go to like some event someday and leaving, leave it lying around and someone's going to pick it up and like know all my secrets. There's no secrets in here. It's like really bad spreads. I say in here because it's open. I'm looking at it. It's like really bad spreads of like monthly stuff and then literally just like jot notes of like therapy things that don't really make sense to anyone that's not me. Anyway, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so she let me get my bullet journal in which I got to see the room where my stuff was being held, which is really, really nice because I, okay, everyone likes to throw these words around like object permanence and like emotional permanence and whatnot i have object permanence in which like logically i i well actually i didn't know where my bag was because he took it out of my sight and i'm not familiar i wasn't familiar with the facility however i knew that like once the bag left my sight that didn't mean that it no longer existed but i do have control issues so I was trying to calm those down because I didn't want to seem erratic while I was there because, you know, once they get you in the rooms and the doors are locked and they want to keep you there, like, you're not getting out. And if you try and break out, it's kind of like, like, uh, I was going to say Sophie's Choice, but that's that's not it. It's, I guess, double jeopardy or, like, super ironic because, like, if you think you're fine, um, but you're acting neurotic or erratic for other reasons but like you know you're fine and you're trying to like bust out you know they're you're just gonna seem even more erratic and neurotic so I was just trying to stay as calm as possible so I didn't seem weird but I was thinking in my head like where the heck is this man taking my bag um so it was nice that within like the first like 15 minutes that I was there because I needed to get my notebooks and everything um I got to see the room in which all my stuff was and um it was locked by key pass like everything else and you had to put the key pass in front of it and then the, it was a really heavy door and the lock automatically unlocked and you went in and all of the cubbies there was like a whole bunch of cubbies it was a nice little room and all of the bags were placed with the tags facing outside of the cubby so you could easily check like whose belongings were meant to like meant to go with who and i just really appreciated the process and how like I went to get my stuff and like I kind of went to bypass her to go into the room to just go into my bag and get my stuff and she was like no like you can't come in here I'll bring your bag out to you so the fact that I wasn't allowed to go in to get my things from my bag in the room with everyone else's things means that no one else who would ever need to get their things would have access into the room where my stuff is like they would just take 
their things out and no person who wasn't paid by the facility would be allowed to be near my stuff, which is really nice. And I'm not sure if every facility is working like that. Who knows? A different facility might just throw everyone's stuff in a pile and it's a free-for-all, um, which would really suck. But where I was, I appreciated that touch. So I met with her for like 20, 30 minutes-ish and then we left, um, or we left the room and I went back into the waiting room. I pretty much spent my whole time in this like square space that had like rooms attached to it. I didn't go like deep into any part of the facility because I wasn't there to be checked in to stay for any reason. Um, but yeah, she was like, I don't know how long the wait's going to be. And I was like, okay, can I go back into my bag and get my work? And she was like, yeah, that's fine. So I went and I got my work and I sat there. And again, like I said, I sat there for like an hour, 45 minutes, like two hours which I thought was kind of ridiculous because no one else was in the waiting room, but, you know, who am I to judge? And partway through that time, I did ask someone to um, if there was a washroom, and they told me that I would need to go down the hallway um, and they'd need to let me out, which I think is fairly inefficient that there isn't a washroom within the secure hold, like, area, only because, like, I think there was a washroom in the secure hold area, but it would you'd have to go like into the hallways where the patients were and whatnot. And I think because I wasn't like a risk and I was going for a very specific purpose, which was to get a diagnosis, they just let me leave the room and walk down the hallway back into like the open area where there's all kinds of open doors or whatever and like go use the washroom. And also they still had my stuff. So like unlike a doctor's office where like you walk in and you give your information you get it back and you keep your bags with you and if you feel like they're taking too long you can just leave like even when I like I was under lock and key my stuff was under additional lock and key um I did have my health card with me I had my wallet with me and everything but the thing was like even if I wanted to like make a run for it like they were holding me I needed to make a run for it when I went to the bathroom like they still had my stuff you know, um, although I think they would have treated me differently with that bathroom request had I been like an actual risk to myself or others. Anyway, so I went to the bathroom, um, came back, rung the doorbell, someone let me in, sat for another little while, worried about the appointment that I had because I was like, what is this person doing? Anyway, the psychiatrist finally came out. I believe he was a psychiatrist. Yes, which is funny because he worked with my psychiatrist that I have, um, my primary psychiatrist, but that's besides the point. So he comes out, and he says my name, and I'm like, hi. And we go into a different room than the first room that I was in with the social worker lady because that room was taken up. So we go into this different room, which is significantly darker and more ominous and just as windowless. Or it felt more windowless because my back was to the window as opposed to the other room where I could see the one. That's besides the point. So we start talking, and one of the first questions he asks me is, so why do you want to be, like, re-diagnosed or why do you want a second diagnosis and I was like a second diagnosis excuse me I don't even have a diagnosis and that's when it hit me and I was like oh no did I actually have a diagnosis with my primary psychiatrist and I just completely misread the situation um, and everything that we had talked about in our meetings and now I'm here and I wasted like three hours of my life, like getting up, walking here, like getting ready, walking here, doing all this stuff just to be told like, no, you already have a diagnosis. And he was like, well, you know, and, oh, no. And, oh, oh, oh. Anyway, I basically explained to him like, I'm not really sure what's going on with that. And like, I don't want to bother her anymore. So I just decided to come here on a whim because I actually what I wanted was to get a referral to this place. 
um, as, you know, as signed by my primary psych to get a concrete diagnosis because of my fraud filter but because of my impulsivity instead of waiting a couple weeks to see my psychiatrist to get that referral in which at that appointment she would probably confirm my diagnosis my diagnosis which she did when I subsequently went back to talk to her and she was like no I diagnosed you from time um you know I you just didn't get it you know um I wouldn't have wasted so much time. But anyway, I sat there and I was like, no, I mean, I, it's not a second diagnosis. It's just a diagnosis. And you're just like, hmm. can I just say he seemed a little salty? He was older and he's probably, I guess, at the time that I went, he could have worked the whole night shift. To be honest, it was early enough in the morning that like he could have been there for a couple hours. But he seemed very unimpressed. And I think it was one of those situations where I presented as stable and I was talking very clearly and coherently to the point where like, a lot of people probably thought that I was wasting time because I went to emerge and it wasn't really an emerge and I just wanted to go because it's like, what's the point of me waiting for a referral when I can just walk into emerge? Um, but it's, I guess it's one of, Katie Morton is a YouTuber that I watch a lot and she's really great and she's a, a licensed psychologist and eating disorder specialist. And she says, she likes to say, you know, sometimes when we need help, we need to shout for it because a lot of the time, especially with mental health, people don't necessarily believe you or what you're going through until either you've attempted to end your life or harm yourself or you're going through a huge like psychotic like mental breakdown and you're not like your body's not computing you're not acting properly you're acting radically or irrationally or you're scaring people that's when people say hey there's an issue here which i hit my point where people were saying hey there's an issue here but i was just not in that state when i went there um and obviously, they didn't know me when I was going through that time. So when I walked in, I feel like the guy just saw me and was like, why are you here? Um, which is why, I I don't know, he just... And this could also just be me reading the situation wrong, because I do that a lot. But he seemed just very glib and, like, very short and, like, unimpressed with everything that I was saying. Which could just be his way, because I know some therapists, like, you don't want to connect with your patients or whatever. Like, you don't want to take on their feelings or whatnot or their emotions or whatever because you get burnt out um so that could just be the way that he stays like stoic or whatnot but to me he just seemed done with me and he didn't seem necessarily interested and I just got the whole sense of like the whole air from him whereas with the social worker that I first thought saw she was like okay yeah I felt like I was talking to my therapist with him I felt like I had to I had to like prove myself I felt like he was looking at me and thinking like you are too stable to be here why are you here why why are you telling this these things so again um I told him my whole life story and everything like all my symptoms and breakdown and my recent mental health history and um all this stuff um all these, and again, I had something to say, and I completely forgot it, but just like her, I told her my whole mental mental health history, and he asked a lot more, like, clinical questions, where she, she, like, the first social worker just asked me to talk about my life, and she asked me more questions about my life, and my symptoms, and, like, how are you doing, and how are you doing in school right now, and how do you feel, and, when you know, like, all these kind of, like, and how does that make you feel, like, therapist kind of things, and I went to the psych's office, and, he asked me more, much more clinical questions and he asked me, you know, the questions that, the one question that I get all the time, which is, um, do you ever have periods where you don't sleep at all and you like, you just stay up and you work and you do things in which 
he's like roundabout asking me like do I have bipolar symptoms and I I get that question a lot um and I feel like it's it's like people who are on the like spectrum or on the watch for eating disorders um when people ask you like um do you ever, you know, eat food and then throw it back up or, like, eat a lot of food all at once? And it's, like, if you've been in the mental health system and for any point in time and where you have people asking you probing questions, you can start to, like, see which questions are leading where. Because it got to, it's gotten to the point now where people that I just meet will ask me questions and will be like, oh, so do you, like, not sleep at night and you just feel really great about yourself? And I'm just like, no, I don't have bipolar. And they're like, oh, how do you know? And it's like, because I've had five people ask me this question in that exact way and I can tell you I don't have bipolar. Um, so he did ask me that question um, and we assessed that, no, my behaviors are not indicative of bipolar. And he also did ask me the um, the questions that are very common to people assessing for eating disorders because as I've, I explained in another episode, which I don't know if it's already posted or if it is to be posted because I'm pre-recording all of these, but um, my episode Disordered Eating and Mental Health where I talk about my disordered eating habits. So he asked me, um, you know, do you ever eat food and throw it back up? Do you ever like binge food or like eat a lot of food all at once? All these different questions. Do you have issues with like, your weight do you have problems gaining like all these things and I'm like no 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 we've talked about this I literally tell people verbatim what my previous mental health support team has told me in the clinical terms I just spit it back out to them and I'm like no I don't exhibit blah 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 and then they look at me like I have two heads and then they're like why are you here if you have all this information and I'm like because I feel like a fraud (laughs) which is really weird and it's it's a weird intersection between where like my stability and logic and like my mental my poor mental health mix because I go and I seem functional and I seem fine it's because in some respects I am you know I am functional and fine and then I get the question of like why are you here and it's it's like because I know you all have master degrees and like I know you all have PhDs and you're certified to work and you've been telling me that I have this thing and this thing and this thing but like hear me out now what if you're wrong you know, like you guys are trained to do this and you've been doing this for years and I get that and I accept that and I'm only 18 and I've only been in this world for like the past like five months. But like, what if you're wrong and like alien invaders are like putting these thoughts in my head, you know, and it's like sometimes I think about it ironically, but then sometimes I think about these things like unironically and I'm like, I don't know if this is just me being like quirky and unironic or if this is paranoia, so you know, and then I kind of go into those kind of rhetorics and they're like, oh, I can see it now, you know, this is where the mental ill is, um, but for the most part, I felt like he was very unimpressed with me spending my time there because I seemed more stable than not you know I was in a more stable state um and then his assessment was like as I as everyone has told me you know well you definitely have any have anxiety and I remember the first time it was suggested that I look up an anxiety disorder and I was like phooey anxiety what do you mean everyone has anxiety and then I realized that like no I have an actual issue because I literally always feel like I'm about to be attacked or murdered or whatnot and my body's always on high alert and then 
the depression makes a whole lot of damn sense. And he's like, yeah, you definitely have, you know, depression, like some sort of depressive disorder. But it was like super vague. And like, he didn't want to like, he's like, you definitely have anxiety, but he was never like general anxiety or social. He was just like, you have anxiety, which isn't a disorder. It's a symptom. It's a manifestation of a collection of symptoms of disorder. Like all of the symptoms of a certain disorder or of any anxiety disorder, the nausea, the the nervousness, all of that, just in, like it makes up the anxiety because all of those things together make you anxious and then you have an anxiety disorder, but it's, it's not the anxiety itself. Like, whatever. Same thing, he was like, yeah, you definitely have depression, but depression itself isn't a diagnosis. It's like all those symptoms, you're just, you feel depressed. Then you have a depressive disorder, it's mood disorder, but it's not the, you whenever. Um, me being nitpicky, even though I don't have a degree or a PhD in any of this, but I've done research for like two days. So, you know, I'm an expert. I'm not an expert. I'm not, don't listen to me. Don't, I'm not an expert. Don't cite me as your doctor. But anyway, uh, he's like, he didn't want to come in. He was just like, yeah, you, you have anxiety and you have, you have the depression, you know? And then for the BPD, he's like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know about the BPD. It could be complex PTSD and then for a whole week afterwards I had a huge like identity crisis because I was like do I have BPD or do I have PTSD and like I know that my primary psychiatrist was like yeah I agree with the BPD but then this guy that I met for literally like 40 minutes not even this guy I met for like 30 minutes was like oh, well, you might have PTSD. And I was like, what do I have? And like, you you both have PhDs, but like, here's the thing. What if it's the aliens? So it was like this whole thing of like, what if it's all fake? And like, I am just a brain in a vat. And I think it doesn't help that I'm a philosophy student because I can't tell where the just natural philosophizing as like a first year student that's just like new to all this information and wants to make sense of it ends. And like, the paranoia begins, um, you know, so here we are, here we are, um, and I think that's part of the reason why an, a host of my issues are also masked, because a lot of what could be considered, like, excessive ruminating and, like, thinking about scenarios that couldn't exist, like, kind of the Descartes, like, there's an evil demon controlling me, and how do I know, but if I am awake or asleep, like, that's also what I study, so it's like, am I being irrational and erratic and, like, thinking that people are controlling me when they're not, um, or am I just applying the ridiculous theories that I learn in school to my life because those are the things that I'm learning who knows man um anyway and um then I told him about my like psychosis or not well not psych I've started using psychosis very loosely these past two days because all of the information that I've been researching because again this is all pre-recorded not that this has anything to do with you guys uh it's all pre-recorded so I'm information after information so I've been using psychosis really loosely but really I just had a very distinct auditory hallucination at one point in time um but I I told him about that and I have history of other mental health stuff I think I've talked about this in the history of mental illness um I have schizophrenia somewhere in my family so I was like that's that's also an issue although I don't think I have it it's just an issue and then he was telling me about how um you can have like 
psychosis type things or psychotic type things and like hallucinations or whatnot are not uncommon even for like depressive disorders and also BPD should that be a thing or even PTSD if, if there's the complex PTSD and I was like well dude what is it but he didn't seem too like intent on committing to anything and then I was like he's like is that does that answer your question and I was like okay hey, but like what's wrong with me and he was like well you know you're just like like these things but also you're real young you know so who knows and I was like okay so he didn't seem like he wanted to commit although he's kind of committing but then also he didn't want to see me again and I was like okay I will come back when I'm completely off my rocker and then you'll feel really bad for treating me like I was too stable to come here in the first place anyway so then I left and um you know, I packed up all my stuff, and I got my bag, and I needed someone to come in, and, um, well, first he said bye, and I said bye, um, I don't, I don't think there's anything else I asked him, um, yeah, just, we talked about some of my coping, my coping skills that were called maladaptive, or that were, that were described as adaptive rather than maladaptive, and then, um, we left, and, or I left, and, um, he left, sorry, he left, and I had someone open the room for me, and I got my stuff taken out, put all my stuff on, and I put on my nice fuzzy earmuffs, and fun fact, one of the dudes who worked at the place passed me, and he was like, like your earmuffs, and I was like, thanks, man, they're super rad, and also, I don't know who I am, and whether I'm a bad person, or just have un unprocessed trauma, or behavioral slash personality issues, and flawed character traits or if I'm just a bad person or if an evil demon has put my brain in a vat and none of this at all is real and in which case what are student loans you know um and then they backed away slowly uh and I walked back to my dorm with a little pep in my step because I was like I just did that I just spent my time my precious three four hours in emerge um with a dude to diagnose me and then I I got back to my dorm and I sat down and I realized that I felt as empty as I felt before but now I was empty but dealing with this existential crisis of am I PTSD which obviously it's not an adjective but like do I have PTSD or do I have BPD and like what is my issue so for the next week I spent a lot of time crying um so much time crying and trying to figure out, like, who am I, you know, and am I just a flawed person, and do I deserve to be, and you can take that as you will, and then I went to see my primary psychiatrist, and she was like, well, why would you go, and I was like, because you didn't diagnose me, and she was like, I did diagnose you, and then she showed me my whole file in which I was diagnosed with uh, BPD, um, major depressive disorder and general anxiety disorder and I was told by her that you know I was already screened for PTSD and I you know she didn't think I had it although complex PTSD maybe I do have it maybe I don't I don't want to go back to her office only because I've been anti-medication for myself and I I've pretty much gone like once every time or once every month, uh, because I've had about a major breakdown, like literally I have a major breakdown every month and then a week of okay. And then a breakdown that wipes me out for a month. And I've seen her once a month since I've, I've started like four breakdowns specifically. 
And every time I go, she's like, are you sure you don't want to go on any sort of anxiety medication? I keep saying no. So I don't want to go back and, you know, go back and say like, I'm having all of these irrational issues, but also I don't want to take medication because it doesn't make any sense. However, um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's my story of when I went into the emergency department of a mental hospital, um, in which I was assessed or I was reassessed for no reason. And I wasted a lot of my own time and I would say other people's time, but I was the only one there at that time. So, you know, it was just me. And also I pay taxes. So I contribute to the healthcare system in which I took advantage of. Um, I was going to talk about what to expect to go to therapy because I thought this would only take like 20 to 30 minutes, but it's already 45 minutes. Um, and I want to get more episodes out instead of less episodes out so that I spend less weeks worry worrying about like what I'm going to post. So tune in at some point either before, you know, this episode's even posted because I don't know what order I'm going to post these or sometime after this episode's posted for my episode about what to expect when you go to therapy because like literally physically like what do you expect when you like talk to people and whatnot um because I have spent a lot of time calling a lot of different people and I've been to a lot of different social workers psychologists psychiatrists like all these different things um so that's that um, thank you all for listening. As always, my social medias, my Instagram, there's no face, there is a Facebook, but it's private. My Instagram, Twitter, and, uh, Medium, which is my blog, is at persborderline, at P-E-R-S borderline. Um, the YouTube is personally borderline. My website is personallyborderline.com, but it's really just a Tumblr website, so you can look up personallyborderline.tumblr.com. Don't tell anyone, okay? I'm... I'm just going to use a Tumblr, whatever. Um, you can check me out in all those places. My Tumblr will have all the links of everywhere so that you can just click and navigate. That's pretty much, or the website will have, oh, hmm, don't tell anyone it's a Tumblr. Uh, the website will have all the links so you can click and navigate and find um, all of my other socials. That's pretty much all it's good for because I, when you want, if you want to know about new like episodes and blog posts and official things that I'm doing and collabs or whatnot, the Instagram is the best place to go. If you want to just know about my daily life and trials and tribulations, the Twitter is the best place to go. If you want to read the blog, the medium, the blog is the best place to go. If you want to hear the pods, well, you're already listening to a pod. So I assume that you are either on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Pocket Casts, or you're listening on YouTube, at which point see all of those last things that I noted if you want to listen to it on the go, or if you listen to your podcasts on YouTube, then you're set, you know, you're already listening to the pod, so, um, and again, the website's just there to guide you to all of those places, or, um, that's, you know, this episode's going to be outdated someday, so the website will be updated with if I ever unprivate the Facebook page or I ever go back to using my Pinterest, then you will know and I will add the social there and you can find me in more places if I make a Twitch account and start doing video games for some reason because monetization, you know. Um, yeah, you can find me there. Anyway, uh, so much rambling, so much rambling. Uh, today's question or comment is, have you ever been to like the emergency department of like a mental 
facility or mental hospital. I don't know what we should call it. That doesn't sound so icky. Mental hospital sounds so icky to me, but I can't find a better word for it um, aside from saying the actual name of the place, which I don't want to do. So have you ever been to um, the Emerge for mental health issues? Actually, it doesn't need to be a mental health or a mental hospital have you been to emergency either for like a regular just like hospital hospital or have you been to a specific center for like mental health and then addiction and all those kinds of things um kind of like a rehab place or anything in between have you been anywhere um that's an emergency service or have you called emergency services for a mental health related issue how were you treated what was the process for that you know was it difficult? Was it easy? What should other people watch out for? What were you allowed to keep? How long were you held there? Were you held against your will? So many questions. Tell us about your experience. Because my experience is specific to me. And you can't even look up where I went. Because I, I didn't tell you guys. So it's it's not even like you can say, well, I'm going to go here. So I'm going to use Purse's story as a resource. Because my story isn't a resource. Because you guys don't know where I went. Anyway, um, thanks for listening, as always, to all of you in recovery, discovery, just learning, or anything in between. And as always, I will be here for you until the next podcast. Bye! <laughs>